Oh, it's the government, man. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the government. to the Halfway There cast. I'm Tyler. I'm Eric. We want to welcome you in today for our discussions on theology, pastoral, pastoral care, 80s hair metal, and everything under the sun. Hope all is well with you today. Eric, brother, how are you doing? A little concerned. <laughs> had a, something happen yesterday never had happened before. Want to hear about it? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> all right, so you know, I'm trying to eat a little better. And I've I've discovered that Chinese food does have some healthy options. Had, well, like they have some grilled chicken and things like that. Had some Chinese food the other day. Had the fortune cookie. Yeah. And uh, opened up the fortune cookie, and it literally said, "Fortune not found." <laughs> Do you want to try again or abort? And I was like, "Whoa, wait a second here. Never had." fortune cookie tell me that i have no fortune so i'm not really i'm kind of walking on eggshells today a little bit that is strange yeah yeah it's a strange thing did uh you flip did it have lucky numbers on the back i i think so yeah okay well at least you had your lucky numbers (laughs) oh me before we get into our topics we do want to address something we want to address something or maybe something that has made a impact on every podcast we have. Now, to let the listeners know, we usually record it on Sunday nights, kind of around nine o'clock. And about at nine thirty every night, something happens in your neck of the woods there, Eric. Yes, I live almost right next to a train track and the train every week. I'm I'm making some like really good theological point and then here here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. So I'm sure that the listeners have noticed at this point that there is a train that's not a sound effect. I'm I'm not in a studio. Don't have a soundproof booth or anything. So a train has made its way into the podcast. Well, I think what has happened, the listeners have associated the train with you making some kind of theological point. So they actually <laughs> think that it is a sound effect. And every time you make a theological point, you blow you you blow the train horn. But that's not true. <laughs> oh uh, so we yeah. will uh yeah so if, if you hear the train just just take it with a grain of salt there take it with a grain of salt yeah that's what that's what sets us apart from every other podcast is we're, we, we're real yeah. we're real and we record by train tracks yes. all right we have uh four good topics tonight we're going to jump right in with the first one the first one is kind of a question and kind of a mystery more than anything a mystery that i don't know if we can solve but nonetheless Me and Eric have been friends for most of our lives, but on Facebook, we only have 23 mutual friends. How is that possible? Yeah, I I saw that a few weeks ago, and I was thinking as much as our life has intertwined through the years, through school and then through football and now through ministry and through everything else, how, how in the world do we just know that few people in common 
Now well, you have like three million Facebook friends. And I I keep my circle tight. Like I, I don't have very many. That I may be part have, of it. I don't have three million. I don't know how many I have, but I, I'm looking now at your Facebook page, and you we do have twenty five. We've gone up two. Okay. So the podcast has given us two more mutual friends. Oh. But nonetheless, yeah, it's a strange thing. And I mean, even even looking at our mutual friends here, they're people we know, obviously. But maybe maybe I'm a little more loose when it comes to Facebook friendship than you are. But now you've, maybe. You, you've deleted your account a couple times and came back on, right? Yes, I, I have a love-hate relationship with <laughs> Facebook because in a lot of ways it's a necessary thing. But sometimes I just I get so sick of it and ha- have done that for so many years. I've got rid of it and have enjoyed not having it. But because... Because of our church page, because of this, because of my photography stuff, like I have to have it to put stuff on there. So, so I have it. But yeah, I've I went through phases where I've just like delete it down to just bare minimum people and done things like that. So, yeah, that's that's what I do. My relationship with Facebook is similar. Uh, I don't post on Facebook a ton. And actually, we have found out because we have been posting a lot because of the podcast that maybe we're getting shadow banned a little bit. I think so. I think so. It, it, it's been very strange. Yeah, that I mean, we I probably post on Facebook once every two weeks is what I would post, maybe, and it was usually a quote. I, I really never put my opinion on there because, just to be honest, I don't I don't want that argument. But, oh yeah. Yeah. I've been there, brother. You've been there. We'll talk about that one day, but, <laughs> but when we started the podcast, we started to, to post quite a bit and we noticed in the beginning, we got a lot of feedback on that. And now it's, it's hardly any, Yep, it's the machines came for us is what's happened. They did. And I, I don't even think my family's seeing my stuff anymore, but <laughs> yeah, they were fa- Facebook, see, that's what Facebook does. It's just, it tries to con- control you and I don't know. It's just, I don't know about it. That's probably what has, has happened, I would say, is the way that I have that relationship with Facebook has probably contributed to some of that. Yeah, and I, I'm the same, though. If I didn't have a business, the church site, the halfway there cast site, I probably wouldn't have a personal site. But because I have those things, I kind of have to. There's no way around that. But interesting enough, Last week, we talked about on the podcast, the end of time, and we made several references to John Hagee and his ministry in the 9,999 blood moons. Yes. And surprise to me this week, while I was scrolling through my Facebook, multiple promotions for John Hagee ministries (laughs) have never, I have never ever had any John Hagee ministry ads come up on Facebook but every day while I was scrolling scrolling through and I even sent you a screenshot of one this week that those things were popping up trying to get me to buy his book so kind of just thinking along the Facebook our our phones do listen to us I mean they have to the, the podcast I have a script right here on my phone in my notes and of course my phone is attached to my Facebook so Something is hearing me talking about things and then taking them to Facebook and, of course, giving us ads and everything else, trying to get us to buy things. But little did we, little does it know 
it shows our superior intelligence that we were talking very negative about John Hagee and his ministers. <laughs> oh, it's the government, man. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the government. Now, uh, just today, I preached a sermon. I'm going through the book of Romans. I preached the last part of chapter seven, and it talks about where Paul is saying what a wretched man he is, you know, the good that he wants to do, he can't do, all that. That's what my sermon was about today. Mm -hmm. Get home after church, having the old post, the church lunch there, scrolling through the, the Facebook, and what comes up? A video, a reel of some preacher that I don't know talking about what passage. Yep. Yep. Romans 7, right there. That's, that's wild. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it happens. it happens multiple times a week. So there has to be something to it. Yeah, some sort of thing that is listening and hearing what we talk about and things like that and then giving us ads for that through social media. It's happened to me in my life before. We've been talking about wanting to do something to the house or something like that. And lo and behold, here come the ads on Facebook for the thing that we were talking about. It's annoying. I don't get on Facebook to look at ads. So... That's kind yeah. of silliness. Here's uh, what's funny about us as people is like a lot of people talk about that, that Facebook listens to your, your phone listens to you, but nobody gets off of it. Everybody just keeps <laughs> going. They're like, oh man, this thing is tracking everything I do and listening to everything. How terrible is that? Oh, let me get back on here. Right. That's, that's the crazy that's, thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah silly. Uh, the machine has us. <laughs> yeah, we're we're stuck in the matrix apparently. Well, yeah, we're stuck in the matrix. Oh man, I can't believe they picked up on John Hagee last week. Anyway, speaking of ministries, you you have a uh, hankering, I guess you could say, to talk about the Jehovah Witnesses tonight. You you made mention of them on last week's podcast, and I even proclaimed they were lazy because they were just throwing <laughs> tracks in my driveway instead of walking to the door. <laughs> so, <laughs> Eric. We're, we want to talk about how to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, how to uh, communicate with them. Uh, so tell us kind of what what is a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, you don't have to give an in-depth description, but just something for our listeners before we get moving into this conversation. Well, the first thing I remember hearing about Jehovah's Witnesses we were in, I, I won't mention the guy's name, but I think he was in class with us in sixth grade, and I remember he couldn't. He couldn't salute the flag, couldn't celebrate any birthdays kind of a thing, and found out he was Jehovah's Witness, and so I talked with him. And I was like, so do you not believe in Jesus or, or what? And he's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And and you know, I didn't know what else to say at that point. They are, in basic terms, they are a cult that deviates from Scripture in some, some key fundamental places. Their authority is not scripture, but it is the watchtower's interpretation of scripture. The watchtower is kind of like this overseen body that they believe has God given, or in their words, Jehovah given authority to tell them what to think, how to interpret scripture and things like that. So you've probably had them come to your door at some point and invite you to some sort of service around Easter time and maybe leaving some tracks and materials in, in your door. I've had run-ins with them many times over the years, but I, a lot of people have. So they, they go to what's they call Kingdom Hall. They're, they're about the kingdom. 
and they are a they're a dangerous cult because they say things like, "Yeah, we believe in Jesus," but it is not the Jesus of of Scripture. So, we just want to talk a little bit about them tonight to help you have some ways to be able to talk with them if you ever have that chance. Yeah, so they don't believe in holidays, Easter, Christmas, things like that. I can remember the guy in class. If we watched an Easter movie in class, he would. I think they went maybe go sit in the hallway, which I always thought was kind of cruel. Maybe yeah. go shoot some basketball or something. But that Jehovah's Witnesses are mainly known for coming door to door to your home and delivering their kingdom message to you. Interesting enough, I've never had a Jehovah's Witness come to my house. Really? We've lived here for almost 15 years, and I've had the Mormons several times. I've never uh, had a Mormon. Really? But yeah. I've had, I've recently noticed, and I've had a Jehovah's Witness calling me, leaving me text messages. <laughs> now, how they got my phone number, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I think from Monticello, it's a town wow. south of us, has been had called me and left me a text message that if what I had did any it questions, say? I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't give it that much time. But basically, if I had any questions, give him a call. I would have a lot of questions if one of them texted me. (laughs) What's going on here, buddy? (laughs) Why'd you get my number? Man, so you've had several run-ins with Jehovah's Witnesses, what you said. Yeah. Now, have they came to your door, or has it just been out and about, or how's that happened? Most of it is coming coming to the house, which I've not had one in since, since the last incident. It's been almost 10 years since they've come to my door. Since then, they've written letters and things like that to send me. It used to. There was a time from about 2007 or so to 2014 that had a had a lot of different visits from them. And, uh, you know, qu- quite a bit, like, like worked my way up the chain there talking to the, the elders and things like that. Well, that's what that was my next question was it did it start as like some young fellows and then it gradually they sent the big dog. Yeah, that, that's what it ended up being. And by the time and, and I would always talk with them, I would always go out on the porch and talk with them. And because I've always had the mentality, don't be afraid of right. people, you know, if, if they have a different belief, talk with them and try to figure out what they're what they're saying and why they're saying it. And that was that was when I lived at the first church I pastored. When I was here at this church, I used to live over in in a town close to here called Stanford, and they would come to that house for a while. and And the last incident was me talking on our front porch with them, and they had other people waiting in the car, like outside, like like waiting on the person. And then they had to bring other people up. Like I, I guess they were higher up in rank or something. They couldn't answer the questions that I had for them. And I guess they marked me off of the list or something because after that they've, they've quit. You got blacklisted. I think so. Kind of like what Facebook is doing to us. Yeah. And I noticed that's also what happened when the Mormons would come here, not to get off the subject of the Jehovah's witnesses, but therefore a season, the same two boys would come and eventually they sent their leader. (laughs) And then he came once and then, they never sent anyone else. So, yeah. and that's that's kind of how those cults work, isn't it? That they, when when they get to the point where their highest ranked official cannot answer your questions or give an account for the things that you're saying, they run right. Yeah, and I'm sure from their perspective, they look at 
us or look at me as a lost cause, well, he's not going to listen to us. So why, sure. why waste our time with him? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is, is they'll, they'll start off by trying to just introduce you to it. And, and a lot of people, I mean, they say a, a lot of the same language, have a lot of the same language that we do. Yeah. They talk, they talk about Jesus. They talk about paradise, you know, angels, a lot of the different language that we would use. And it's familiar to a lot of people familiar enough to where some people would be willing to listen, but the parts where they're different are so key and so different that it causes them to be heretical. They're not a church. They're not Christian. They are a cult and they do not believe in the Jesus of scripture. So tell us some of the things, some of these big doctrinal issues that uh, we don't line up with the Jehovah's witness on. Well, the big thing would be, that a lot of people go to is the deity of Jesus. They believe that Jesus is not God because, Hey, there's only one God, right? So Jesus is not God in their thought. He's a created being God or Jehovah. And they're very firm that you say Jehovah. That's their interpretation of where a lot of times we may say Yahweh in in scripture from the, the Hebrew there they translate it as Jehovah. They'll say, well, Jehovah created Jesus, and then through Jesus, Jesus created everything else. But he was the first created being. So what they do is they have their own scripture, their own Bible. I have a copy here called the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, and they'll give you one of these if you just ask for them. They'll have a whole box of them in their trunk. And so... I asked them for one and they gave them to me and a lot of this, I mean, it's the same books like we have in our Bible, same order and everything like that. A lot of it is worded the same, but there are some parts that obviously are not. And the big one is John chapter one, where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And we know that's talking about Jesus being the word and and Jesus is God. In their translation, here's what they've done. In the beginning, the word was, and the word was with God, and the word was a God, lowercase g there. That's almost the same, but it's that one change where they've changed it to make it say, Jesus is a God. He's like a type of God. You know, he, he's really special. He's great. He's powerful. He's just not God himself. So, so that's what they'll do with that. So that, that's, that's one of the big things you'll hear. That's kind of a sticking point is the deity of Jesus. Yeah. And when and it's, it's interesting how they take that scripture and it's just off a degree but just by being off a degree changes the whole doctrine of the deity of Jesus. And that's what we have to be careful of is, is something looking Christian, something sounding Christian, something looking biblical, sounding biblical, but just as off a degree changes the whole thing completely. Yep. And, and that's why I believe many people fall into traps like Jehovah witnesses, those kind of things. Yeah. And 
they're taught like they're they're very well taught with they're trained well to be able to come yeah. to your doors and talk with you and if you say something to them hey that's not what the bible says that's supposed to be big big g big god he is god so what they'll start doing is bringing in the greek yeah and they'll talk talk about greek and people don't know greek but you know i i took four semesters of Greek in, in, in Bible college. Did, did I ever tell you that I won the Zondervan Greek award, Tyler? <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. I won the Zondervan Greek award for the highest Greek grade in the highest level class in Bible college. I have a medal well, from, from Zondervan. No one knew that on the, the no listener knew that. <laughs> wow. We would probably what? have a lot more listeners if you'd said that at the beginning. <laughs> Well, I forgot about it. it. It's hanging in my <laughs> office. It's uh, yeah, the Zondervan Greek Award. Oh, that's pretty so, good. So I had a little bit of Greek background. Yeah. You know, I had, and they would tell me, well, that the word God there, Theos, is, you yeah. know, it doesn't have the definite article is what they'll say. It's, it's anarthrous. And if you say something like that, most people will like, oh, okay. Well, that, you know, that's, right. I guess that makes sense. But that's all they know. Like they don't know it. They, they're just repeating back what they've said. Right. Actually in the new Testament, that Greek word for God, it's, it's there 282 times without the definite article yeah. in the, the new Testament, the new world translation only translates it like this 16 of those times. And it's only times when it fits their theology of, of Jesus not being a God. So they contradict themselves. You know, if, if they want to get into that, like it just kind of picks and chooses the way they translate it and things like that, even from John chapter one. So I would point out things like that to them. And then they would bring somebody back the next week and somebody that could talk a little bit more about it. So, you know, we, we just kept, kept going with it. And I'll, I'll keep telling you a little more about that, but that's a, that's part of it is they're trained really well to sound very intelligent when they, when they talk to us. Yeah. So it's almost like you're playing a video game and you defeat a smaller boss and then you have to defeat a larger boss as you go on <laughs> to win the video game. Right. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. Okay. Well, that's... just continue to tell us about that experience. Well, here's what I did. Here's, here's what it all comes down to. They're never going to buy into what you say because you're not authoritative. The authority is the watchtower. And if you're not the watchtower, they're not going to listen to you. So the way to talk to a Jehovah's Witness is to attack their authority and show the holes in, in the authority that they, that they trust in. So what I did is I, I think I got on the Amazon. It was either the Amazon or the eBay. I, I can't remember, but Went and found one of these right here. If the watchtower is going to be their authority, you know, this is an old translation right here of the the uh, New World translations back from 1961. And so this is what Jehovah's Witnesses were saying in in 1961. Let me turn to Hebrews chapter one here, for example, because you know there's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about the angels worshiping Jesus. Mm -hmm. it, you, even, even the angels worship him. Yeah. Uh, it's, in, it's in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. Well, in their newer Bible, 
they've changed worship to do obedience. Okay. So like you'll say, hey, angels worship Jesus because he's God. And they'll say, no, he's not. No, the Bible says to do obedience, you know, just be obedient to him like, like you would anybody else. Well, if you go back to their old translation here, if I can get it turned, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6 out of the 1961 version, it says there, but when he again brings his firstborn into the inhabited earth, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. Mm-hmm. So they used to say that Jesus was to be worshiped. And then over time, they're like, you know what? We got to change that because that kind of sounds like he's God. So they made this new yeah. translation. So the next step, you show them this. Hey, back in the day, here's what you guys said. Here's what the Watchtower said. Why did the Watchtower change? I thought the Watchtower was infallible. I thought the Watchtower yeah. was was perfect. And most of them don't have an answer for, for that one. And so they'll bring back the bigger boss <laughs> for, for the next one. And then, so what I did off of the Amazon or, or the, uh, uh, the eBay, I can't remember which one, if they want to go back to the Greek, I got a kingdom interlinear translation of the Greek scriptures. So I show them exactly what their own stuff says and they can't argue with that. So if they want to talk Greek, here is their Greek translation. And you, you look in this and, and it'll, it'll tell you the same thing. Hebrews chapter one, verse six. I'm sure this has a Hebrews if I can get to it here. And it'll have on here the Greek text on one side, the next to it, the, the translation. And here is, is what it says, has, has the big word for worship in Greek. And it says right out here, the translation is let all God's angels worship him. Yeah. And so that, that's just a lot to say. They don't, most of them don't even know stuff like this exists. Right. And this is when, when they quit coming around because they're only looking at that. But you show, hey, previously the watchtower has said Jesus is to be worshiped. And then you all changed over time to a completely different thing. And that's just one example. There's a lot of different yeah. examples of how they change scripture. But if you go back to the root of their authority and show them that it keeps changing, you know, how, how are you going to have trust in that? And it kind of, hopefully it's the goal is to break their confidence in the watchtower. Yeah. And so, okay. As you're sitting there saying all that, you've, You've learned Greek. You know, you were the Zondaran gold medal champion. Yes. Here uh, <laughs> you graduated. <laughs> most most people haven't, aren't that equipped in Greek. So what can just the regular Christian, pew-sitting Christian that doesn't know Greek, how do they... What do they need to do? How do they need to approach this? Yep. So they can they can use these same resources because there's, I mean, there's English in them enough to where you could read them just fine. Uh, you don't have to know a lot of Greek because it kind of lays it out there for you. And but the thing is, that over time, these are harder and harder to find. I don't know if the Watchtower's buying up the extra copies and destroying them or or what. But the thing is just to question their allegiance to the Watchtower. Of course, the Watchtower over time has made many prophecies that were failed prophecies, specifically about the coming of Jesus. 
and they have their answers for why that was. But what you've got to do is just keep saying the watchtower is not the authority. It, Jesus Christ is, you know, his, wow. his, his word is the watchtower yeah. is not the representative of Jesus Christ. That's, I mean, technically that's the definition of what an antichrist is. Someone yeah. who's, who stands in the place of Christ. Well, the watchtower tries to do that. So, so just bring up those failed prophecies, bring up their ever changing doctrines and scriptures and ask them why. And then the main thing is this, and here's, here's what I said to them that finally made them quit coming around. They want you to do this. Their works-based cult right and the goal is for you to make it to paradise maybe you know they have they think there's 144,000 of them that get to be in i guess it's paradise and then everybody else is just working for kind of a, a really good place on earth in the afterlife is is what they're doing but there's no way they don't know a way for you to actually do that that's why they go to door to door and try to talk to so many people is they're trying to do their best work to earn God's Jehovah's good graces to be able to do that. So the question I asked them, and here's, here's what you can ask them. Listen, if I had a knife to my back right now and I'm going to die in the next 30 seconds, what do I need to know to be able to go to heaven? And that's exactly what I said to them. And they could not answer that. Yeah. They don't have an answer for that. They don't. And they were just, you know, we don't know what to say to that, you know, just, just do the best you can. And yeah. I'm like, no, I have a knife to my back right now. I need to know you've got 30 seconds to tell me what I need to know. How do I get there? And they can't do it. Yeah. And that's what it is. See, they don't have the gospel like right. you and I have. They have works-based salvation, which is not really a salvation at all. So that's the key thing that I would encourage most people to do. Ask them that question. You tell me specifically right now, how, do I make it into the presence of God forever? How do I go to heaven? And they won't be able to answer. Yeah. I do know a, a good resource on that. Walter Martin wrote a book called the kingdom of the cults. And he addresses the Jehovah's witnesses in that helped me a lot out when I was dealing with the Mormons coming by, but I also know he has a section on them too. Another great resource. Yes. Another great resource is, you know, we talk about eighties hair bands a lot. And one of the great resources that we had growing up was an album called Monster Ballads. Oh, yeah. Now, maybe the album wasn't the greatest thing about Monster Ballads, (laughs) but it was the Monster Ballads commercial. Yes. I'm going to play a minute long clip here. Just the the commercial of Monster Ballads. And then let's just let's just uh, after that, we'll sit and talk about it for a little bit. Okay. Had a love. Give some to believe in. They taught us how to live. And now they're back. Monster Ballads. 35 powerful hits on two CDs and two cassettes. It's awesome! White Snake. Winger. Delivery available. 
a soft side. Get Monster Ballads. To order, call the number on your screen. This 35-track collection is not sold in stores. Eric. Every bad boy has his soft side. <laughs> they taught us how to love, and they taught us how to live. <laughs> and now they're back. <laughs> that was did you, amazing. Did you buy it? Did you have it? Did I buy it? Yes. I think I bought it off that very infomercial. <laughs> I had that exact CD, and which I apparently I could have got a cassette tape also looking at that. Yeah, you could have got the double cassette, too. I don't yeah. think I bought it. We. We probably, you probably burned it for me because. Did we you were, have uh, most of those songs on there? Oh, well, I had all those songs on other albums, but, you know, we were, we were pirates when it came to. Oh, man. Napster? The, Napster. Yeah, we had Napster, didn't we? We're probably the reason for all the, the copyright rules now. Well, brother, when you found out you could do MP3s <laughs> and get. A hundred songs on one CD. That was the oh, end man. game. That but was anyway, it. I mean, all of the bands we love: Warrant, Poison, Cinderella, White Snake. They were all on there. Yeah, they all had a monster ballad. They did, and this this is one or this disc is. I think it was a two CD. Yeah, it was a two CD set. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I loved ballads so much is because I listened to that probably more than any other album I had. Uh, we would just drive around in the Mustang lovesick, listening <laughs> to monster ballads. <laughs> you know, what I liked most about it was the, the skydiving. For some reason, yeah. they had two random people skydiving during the monster ballads. And then, I don't know, who was the guy that winked at the end? That's, who, that's what I was going to ask you at the end. Yeah. Just to... Well, it was during Cinderella, but that wasn't Tom Keith. No, was no, it was He was a blonde guy. Yeah, he was a blonde guy. He gave a big wink there at yeah. the end. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if we still called the 800 number. 1-800-452. Are you going to call it? I'm going to call it right now. Okay. Give me the, give me the number. 1-800-452. Okay. Zero zero five five. Okay, uh, this is this is on air, folks. Okay, let me hit that speaker. Oh, just just busy signal. Well, of course it's busy. Everybody's so, calling to get the monster so ballots. Either, either everybody is ordering monster ballots right now, or <laughs> it's no longer in service. Oh man, man! Yeah, how, I, I, oh, how amazing would that have been if they would have answered to sell the monster ballads? I was hoping that they would have some sort of pre-recorded something at, at yeah. least. I mean, that's I mean, that was a big part of my younger, before teenage, I guess, into my teenage years. I mean, that re really affected me. There, two CDs for twenty nine ninety nine, <laughs> two cassettes. I bet nobody who listens to us even has ever had a cassette. Most people, I mean. Well, if they're I mean, younger than us, no. Yeah. Maybe we were older than us, yes. Yeah, we were in the transition phase that we were, CDs were becoming big as we were getting yeah. older. Yeah, they were. But we man, were, over two and a half hours of music. Two, not just music, Eric. Monster ballads. Heaven isn't too far <laughs> oh, away. Wow. You know, I can still be having to drive late at night, roll the windows down, 
cool summer air. I'll still crank a monster ballad. Hair blowing through, or your air blowing. Uh, I don't guess your hair is blowing through anything, but wind blowing oh, through your hair. Wind blowing through my beard. Yeah. <laughs> Just shouting out as loud as I can, something to believe in with a tear in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about yesteryear. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's something to believe in is one that really stuck with me back in the day. Yeah, it did. It gave us a lot to believe in. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Man, oh, man. That's good stuff. That That yeah. is good stuff. So uh, pretty much every good ballad from the 80s is, is on there. Rush delivery was available. <laughs> and you had to, it was four ninety five shipping and handling with a money back guarantee. Now, hey, let me check something else out here. There. There's actually a website on here. Okay. Razor and tie, T I E dot com. So, this was, I guess, this is when the internets was starting to become big. Razor, R A Z O R, and A N D. Yep. Tie, T I E dot com. Took me straight to Fearless Records. Fearless Records. Looks like oh, yeah they've they've gone a long way from monster ballads. My goodness. <laughs> okay. Very, very goth, I guess you would say. Whoa. So they just went downhill after the monster ballads, I guess. They they did they did. Hmm. Wow, it's the fearless, fearless records. Is that what I said? Fearless. I think so. Yeah. Here's what records. happens though. Once once you hit the peak of of music. Like the 80s monster ballads. I mean, there's yeah. really nowhere. I mean, you can't keep going up. You just have to go downhill after that, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little quiz here. Okay. What did Saigon Kick sing on monster ballads? Oh. <laughs> Saigon Kick. Give me the first letter of the name. L. I, I don't know. <laughs> Love, I is don't on know. The, Love is on the way. Okay. I didn't do well with that. Uh, Saigon kick. Uh, that would have been a hard one. So, okay. L- let me preface that with something. Preface. Kids nowadays, you have your streaming services, and when stuff plays, you'll see the name of the people on whatever device you're on, and you kind of get to know. Back then, I just played the the CD. I didn't know who I was listening to most of the time, unless it was somebody like Poison or Cinderella. Right. Wow. You can get on Spotify, and you can listen to Monster Ballads, Volume 1 and 2. Yes, you can. I, I did. I found that a few weeks ago, actually. Hmm, that's pretty cool. may have to do that tomorrow on Spotify after I listen to our podcast for the 18th time this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's some good nostalgia right there. Now, I, you don't have these infomercials anymore. No, and, you don't. And kids don't even call stuff commercials anymore. Though Everything's an ad. Is, is what they'll say. But back in the day, that's how you got stuff. That's how you knew what you wanted, is you'd be watching TV, and then one of these infomercials would come on and just kind of b- blow you away like that. And you're like, Mom, Dad, I've got to got to order this. That's exactly right. And much like – so the infomercials were the Facebook ads of, of yesterday. Yeah. That's what they were. And we would we would see those things on TV and – we would they would sh- they would just be amazing to watch the infomercials and we thought we just had to have what they were selling but yeah. 
you, the weird thing about it is you didn't have to have an infomercial to sell power ballads. Power, power ballads are the thing that move emotions. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, of all the concerts that we've gone to, the, the memories, the memories are when they played the power ballads. Oh yeah. When the lights would go down and my, my eternal flame would go up. Yeah. And that's, that's the moments that we remember at, at the concerts is it's not when they come out, what they're playing and this and that, this and that, but no, it's, it's the power ballad. It, it was. So, yeah. so when poison would play every rose has its thorn, I mean, that was the peak of the concert. It right was. There. And the, the most memorable moment from a concert that I have is when poison came out to play every rose and it was messed up. Remember that? And oh, tell me about it. I, I have a, oh, just know, a vague memory. No, so, yeah, jog my memory. Okay, so it was the year that we and we'll we'll talk about this in depth on another another episode. But a little little spoiler or a little foreshadowing. We there was the time that we went backstage to meet Brett afterwards on the bus, and that's a whole yeah. other story. Yeah, but, we, we we know Brett Michaels by the way, kind yeah, of. He he wasn't feeling good, and they started to play every rose. And we thought it sounded fine, but he didn't think it's, it sounded fine. And I don't remember if it was a guitar or what it was, but he got very upset at someone and, and used some language. And so uh-huh. stopped the song mid-song and went back and, and redid it. And so we got, you know, one and a half of Every Rose Has Its Thorn. And he knew the importance of the song for yeah. the concert. So he redid it. And I can remember when we got <laughs> when we got on the the bus to see him backstage the, the only thing me and you really said to him was i, I remember no, this is what i said i was like man every rose was awesome man you didn't have to stop it like that <laughs> you and told him like, that i did i did <laughs> and he was just like oh yeah i did dude you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember saying anything to him i was just like it's brett michaels <laughs> I, and I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I didn't know you said that to me. That's funny. yeah, I did. That is funny. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So, but anyways, yeah. It's always the, it's always the. That's the highlight of the concert, and so yeah. because it's a power ballad, it's meant to move, move yeah, men's hearts, move rock and rollers' hearts. Yep. You know, so absolutely. Anyways. Yeah, you have good songs from the eighties. And then you have the monster ballads after that. Then you have ballads and then you have monster ballads, of course. Yeah, these were, these, exactly these were right. the big ones. That's exactly right. Get this. There's a kid's bop monster ballads. Are you serious? I'm serious. Four, te- text that vo- link to me. There's four volumes of monster ballads. <laughs> well, how about that? Huh. This is amazing. Yeah, I'll text this to you. Every Rose is the first one on it. Of course it is. It's because it is the monster now, ballad of all monster ballads. Hey, can, can you pull up the song list? Yeah, give me a second here. I had it. Okay, because... Let, let me go back. What we need to do... We would probably say Every Rose Has Its Thorn is... That's the monster ballad of monster ballads, right? Would you agree with that? Or do you think... Because here's what we need to do. We need to pick out the best monster ballad that there is. And if that's the one you think it is, we need to we need to pick out a second one. So what's what's your top monster ballad? Uh, just let me look at them here. I mean, I want it to be every rose, 
but uh, but there's another one that's that that probably hits a little better and has a little better. You know what, Eric? I'm going to blow your mind. Hold on to something. Okay. I what don't do you think got? I don't think every rose was on it. <laughs> That's the Mandela effect. If it's not, if they had something to believe in on it. Oh, every, every rose was not on Monster Ballads. Are you serious? I, I mean, I'm looking at the list here on Google. Well, it, it's it, it's on the Kids Bop one. It, Kids yeah. Bop sings Monster Ballads. They knew exactly what they were doing. Hmm. Huh. Well, that's a downer. Huh. Maybe it was on. It shouldn't have been on volume three or four. That wouldn't have made any no. sense. <laughs> would not. So okay, if you're going to make me say on this list which is the best monster ballad, yeah, then it's don't know what you got till it's gone. By uh, okay, yeah, that, that's what I zeroed in on. Also, yeah, Tom Kiefer. That was we're good. Big, we're big Tom Kiefer guys. Yeah, we'll talk about them on another episode. I think. Some people will say they are the lesser Aerosmith, but I say Aerosmith is the lesser Cinderella. I we found, know your thoughts on. We know your yeah. thoughts on Aerosmith. I found. I was cleaning out my office the other day. Found the old high school newspaper, the Homespun. Do you remember that? I do. In our senior profiles. Mm-hmm. I looked at that to see what my senior profile said, and it said that I was going to be the second guitarist for cinderella wow really like when i grew up yeah that would have been interesting that would have been that do you was... remember do you remember what they did in their concert that was different i just remember like a big purple curtain they they spun their guitars remember that no i don't remember that so they would <laughs> they would have them they would have them like regular playing and they just spin them around themselves oh like wild. like with the strap yeah, oh, yeah, no, I, I, it must have not impacted me too much. Yeah, apparently, it did me. <laughs> you would have to learn to do that if you're going to be the second guitar player for Cinderella. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think yeah. a guitar would make it around me like that. I, I'm, I'm too broad-shouldered. <laughs> oh man! All right, we're spending too much time here. Uh, let's. Uh, so, kind of jumping off of our conversation earlier about the Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah's Witnesses always just never gave them plural Jehovah's witnesses. We want to just talk about the gospel for a little bit and what is the gospel and what the gospel is not kind of, you know, knock that around a little bit and kind of close up the podcast, just discussing that because if anything, as Christians, that's what we need to be clear on what the gospel is and what it's not. We have to know what the gospel is. Uh, Paul in Galatians writing to the church of Galatia said this in chapter one, starting with verse six, he said, six, he said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So Paul's words in Galatians there show us the seriousness by which we sh- we need to understand the gospel. 
Yep, and there's one gospel. Is he makes that abundantly clear there? There is no other gospel. There's no variation of the gospel. There is one gospel and one gospel only. So we as Christians, kind of like that uh, question that I have for the Jehovah's Witness, you know, if I have a knife to my back, I just have 30 seconds to live. What are you going to tell me? We as Christians need to be able to have an answer for that. And the answer that we have is the gospel. And so that's what we need to know. And we need to make clear what the gospel is and of course, what it is not. Yeah. Before we really get into talking about what the gospel is and what it is not, what, what do you think has happened to us in the church as far as the gospel has been concerned that it's almost as if the American church is uh, out at sea and it's tossed to and fro by every, every storm that comes and every idea that it's faced with. And that really we, we don't have any kind of bedrock to just lay our feet on and be sure about. And, and that would be the gospel that should be the gospel, but it's almost as if the gospel is a, something out here that's not affecting every part of our lives as it should. Yep. I think a couple things with that one is people have the tendency to think that the gospel is only for people who are not saved yet. Yeah. And so a lot of people would think the gospel is something that you move on from. You get the gospel when you're first saved and then you move on to deeper, better things and people may not say it that way, but that's kind of the mentality, I think. And the other thing is, I believe, easy believism has infiltrated our churches so much that people don't know what the gospel is. So, for example, when we were growing up, one thing that was really prevalent was the ABCs of salvation. Yeah. Admit you're a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ, confess that he is Lord, and that was kind of an easy way that people had to remember how to evangelize. Well, admitting you're a sinner and believing and confessing, if you notice those things, those are all things that you're supposed to do or you're told to do. So that's that's a key difference that I, I think we'll make here tonight is, number one, the gospel is not what you have done. So that, that kind of skews it on that. And then the other thing is at the end of all services, well, no matter what the preacher preached on, it was always one of these things at the end of the service, raise your hand. If you want to go to heaven, I see that hand. I see that hand, you know, repeat this prayer after me. And it was narrowed down to repeating a prayer or raising a hand or ABCs or something like that. And the gospel has just not been made clear for a while now i think we're starting to get back to it but for for quite a while it was not made clear yeah and the gospel kind of what you said there the gospel was so associated with quote a sinner's prayer and you know the sinner's prayer is not something that is biblical not something that is encouraged to do in the bible something that has been made up by American revivalism. And so it was always, and you, you would have, I would, I have had conversations with people about the gospel, about believing in the gospel. And a lot of times they're, 
the conversation back would be, well, I've said the sinner's prayer. I'm, I'm good. And their hope, I guess you could say, was in that they had said a sinner's prayer. <laughs> or, or, like you said, a preacher repeat after me prayer, yep. which is not the gospel at all. Now, here's what I would like to do for anybody listening. I want you to answer this question. Answer it in your mind or shout it at the uh, at your phone or whatever you're listening to, however you want to do it. Uh, I've said this for years. I think Alistair Begg said something similar uh, to this. But just imagine you were standing before Christ in in judgment, and the question was asked to you, why should you be able to come to heaven? Why should you be saved? Why should you have eternal life? Now, think about that. Don't don't take that lightly. Think about that and how you would answer that. Now, there are two ways you can answer that. One way is probably the way that you answered in your own mind, and it's because fill in the blank. Because I trusted Jesus, because I love Jesus more than anything, because I'm a church member, because I was baptized, because I said the prayer. Well, what's the the thing that's similar in all those responses? It's because I. It's because you have done something. Friend, that's not the gospel. That's If you think about it, that's actually you trusting in yourself and what you have done. But on the other hand, if your answer was because Jesus, because Jesus died for me, because Jesus was buried and resurrected on the third day, because Jesus took my sin, because Jesus redeemed me, then where's your focus then? There your focus is trusting in Jesus. But that very small difference in the way that you answer actually reveals what you're trusting in. Are you trusting in yourself and what you've done, or are you trusting in Jesus and what he has done? And this is this is a matter of the gospel and your understanding of the gospel with how you answer that. Yeah, and you're exactly right. The gospel is about what God has done through his son Christ to make a way of salvation for his people. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news that God sent his son into the world to die for sinners who could not save themselves so they could be adopted into his family, receive all of his inheritance, and have the hope of eternal salvation with Christ for all eternity. That's the good news. And there is nothing, the only the only part that we play in that story is that we are the pitiful sinners that need saved. That's that's the role we play in the gospel. Yep. And it's not that we're adding to it. It's not that we take part in that salvation in a way that we're doing something to enact it or earn it, but simply that we are the, the ones that need the gospel. That's right. And you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's about what God has done for us through Jesus. It's not about what, what we have done. So you could get on a piece of paper or type on your phone, list all the reasons you think that you're going to heaven. 
And if those reasons are anything that you have done, your hope is in the wrong place. Um, the only answer is a simple answer. I don't, I don't need 30 seconds to tell you the gospel. I can tell you in 10, 10 seconds. It's about Jesus, what he has done for you. He's done the work. And, and you were hinting at it there. Who was the theologian that said the only thing we've contributed to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary? It was one of those guys back in the day. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It, it was, yeah. But I mean, that's nothing that's the is, truth. What's that? Yeah, nothing is nothing is new. <laughs> that's if it's nothing true, it's not new. Yeah, that, that's right. right. Yeah. So yeah, so, that's that, that's what it is. It's about what God has done for us through Jesus. It's not about what you have done. It's not about your church membership or your baptism or how you feel or how many sinners' prayers you've said or your perfect attendance in Sunday school or any of that. All that's filthy rags before the king is all that is it's about what jesus has done for you right and because we we we, well we get off track where we come to christ and yet we have feel like that it's necessary that we bring something to him or we pay a debt that we owe or something like that. But if that's the case, the gospel is not necessary. Right? Yeah. It, it, there's no need for it. If we could pay the debt, then we don't need Jesus. That's we don't right. need him coming to earth and paying the price. And so, just like in Galatians, Paul's talking to a people that have heard the gospel, that have believed the gospel, but now in practice, they are going against the gospel by adding works to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So you, you hit on it earlier. You said that, that we think that the gospel is just for that sinner that needs saved, but but actually, the gospel is the the oxygen that the Christian needs for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. We have to live in the the gospel every day because we we just have to have it. Okay, so we ask the question, "What is the gospel?" But we also say, "What is not the gospel?" So we clearly, culturally today, are we're in that fight. We, me and you, we know what the gospel is. We've talked about what the gospel is, but there are things floating around us that the gospel is not. What are some of those things you see as a pastor? Right. So a lot of things that you'll see nowadays that are or have gained a lot of popularity is, and we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but just the loving people love like Jesus live like Jesus. What would Jesus do? And it's focused on you being accepting and loving and treating people nice. And if you do those things, then you're probably in good standing with God. God wouldn't want you to be mean or say things that hurt somebody's feelings. So a lot of churches, liberal churches that are getting away from God's word are going that route making it about a a moralism and loving people and never saying anything about sin. So that's kind of the test that's given anymore about how people are in right standing with God. And it's reduced to what, again, what you are able to do. And no matter what examples we give, that's what it all comes down to. There's two sides of it. Is it something that you are doing or have done, or is it what Christ has done for you? everything's going to fall into one of those two categories. 
So, so that's one thing that we see. And, you know, in more conservative churches that still hold to scripture as, as the authority and things like that, a lot of times, I mean, the gospel is interwoven all throughout all, I mean, the entirety of scripture. You hit on it earlier about how we always need the gospel and we grow in the gospel. Our understanding of the gospel should deepen as we grow in Christ. A lot of times you'll hear a sermon in a Bible-believing church. They've went the whole sermon, not said anything about Jesus or your need for Jesus or anything like that. And then at the end, maybe tack on something. Well, if you're here today and you want to be saved, cool. then then here it is. Well, that's that's not how it should be. Our sermons, our teaching needs to be saturated in the gospel because that's what it's all about. It's about what our need for Christ and what he's done for us. Right. So I think two things you're you're pointing out there. One, a social gospel, a social gospel that says that basically you're leaving the first great commandment behind and you're loving your neighbors yourself and you're basing the whole gospel in, well, I'm loving my neighbor, so I'm in good standing with God. And and that's a works righteousness. It's, it's, it's as old as time. It's It goes back to the very beginning in the garden when the covenant was made that man was to keep the grounds and not touch the one fruit on the one tree and he couldn't do it. And then flowing out of that, it's the same thing that Paul was addressing in Galatians, a works-based righteousness. And it's the same thing that we see happening culturally today. People that are believing that if they do what they deem is the right thing and they treat people the way that they deem is the right way, then God will be pleased with their actions and thus they have right standing with God. Well, then why did Jesus come? Again, we ask the question, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, what, what's the point of the whole scripture? It's it's unnecessary if we can gain God's favor by righteous living. We can't do that. Yeah, and people don't, I think they don't take their beliefs to its their logical conclusion oftentimes because if they would stop to think they have all this hope in what they're doing and what they're able to do and i'm not as bad as my neighbor and i don't do this sin and that sin i go to church i've been baptized i'm a church member all these things if that's what you're hoping in you've got to follow that out to its logical conclusion and say well my salvation is only as good as my effort. Uh-huh. And if it's all, if it's to be, it's up to me. And why did Jesus have to come if I'm able to do it? I mean, Jesus could uh-huh. have stayed away from being crucified. I mean, why did he have to go through all that if, uh, if I can do it on my own? So uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, people don't think it through sometimes, I believe. Yeah. And then you give another example about a preacher getting up and maybe preaching about morality or whatever, and then coming to the very end of the sermon. And just because he thinks he's got to get the gospel in, he gives what I call a canned gospel presentation, the presentation that, you know, we would have to give in church camp or something like that, that we were taught to do in 30 seconds or less or whatever. I always thought that was kind of silly, but, but whatever. But, but, and, and so, and again, what that teaches is that you have the Bible, you have the precepts that the Bible tells us to live by, 
and then you also have the gospel. But as you said earlier, those things are so interwoven so tightly throughout the scriptures that you almost can't tell them apart. That, that one has to do with the other. And when we separate those things in our preaching and our teaching and everything that we do, then we're really missing the mark of what it means to bear the gospel to the listeners. Yeah. Now let's get specific here about what the gospel is and probably the clearest definition of it is in first Corinthians 15 where Paul writes, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel. And here's what he goes on to say that it is. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And that's not, that is the message of the gospel. If, if someone were to say to me, like with, with the Jehovah's Witnesses, hey, I've got a minute to live. What can you tell me? I would tell them that, Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He resurrected on the third day. That's the gospel. And now the biblical response to the gospel is turn from sin and trust in him. Notice those are two different things. One is the gospel. One is your response to the gospel. You believing is not the gospel. You repenting is not the gospel. That's a response to the gospel, to the good news that, that is preached. And, and like you said very well, that message is interwoven throughout everything we preach in Scripture because everything in Scripture either points us to our need for the gospel or it flows from the gospel. Why our life is different because of the gospel. There's not one word anywhere in Scripture that is able to stand apart from the gospel. It's all about the gospel. It all points to him and what he has done for us. So that is the gospel, basically. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. Let me ask you this question. Why is this important? Not as far as our salvation. We know it's important for our salvation. We know it's so important that we've taken up for our lives the preaching of the gospel week in and week out. But in a the grand scheme of things, and in the theological world, why is it important that God gets the glory? Well, it has to be about his glory because he's the only one deserving of glory. The book of Isaiah tells us that we were created for his glory. If there's anything that is to show our glory, that light won't shine at all because we have nothing to show. We have nothing to give we have nothing to offer we uh, we have no glory everything in life is about him about who he is what he has done for us there's not a breath that we can take that can be taken independently of god and his sustaining power so it's all about him and the gospel is a summary of 
a culmination, I, I should probably better say, of what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, you contrast that with uh, what other false gospels preach, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, that are works-based salvation. It's all about you and what you have have done, what you can do, how many doors can you knock on, and even then, there's no assurance. You look at the Roman Catholic Church, and you know you've got to get those sins confessed. You got to take part of the Eucharist. You got to say your Hail Marys. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to make sure that you stay in God's good graces and participate in that grace. Any other religion, any other philosophy, any other type of summary statement like that from from a belief system every one of them if you look at them it's always based upon you and what you're able to do i don't care if it's hinduism buddhism or, or whatever it's always based on you only jesus is different only the gospel is different that's the only message that's not about you at all but about what he has done for us completely and totally. So that's that's why it's important because it's the only one. It stands against millions of others, and it's the only one like this. There's no other message like it. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the many reasons I have such great confidence in it. Is it's it's in such stark contrast to everything else that it it's the only one that that makes sense. It's what he has done for us. And I love what Paul closes the book of Galatians with in chapter six. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll say to that is hit my theme music. Thanks for listening to the Halfway There cast. Make sure to listen to us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon. Google Podcasts and Podbean. And don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Halfway There PC. And find us on Facebook. Give us a like.